Good morning. Welcome, church. You can stand with us. We're going to sing. I'm just going to pray really quickly as we come into the presence of God this morning. Lord, thank you for this day. God, we're so grateful for your goodness. Your mercies are new every morning. We just want to take a moment to acknowledge that. This morning, your mercies are new. We're grateful for you, God, that you're here with us through all the things. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to fix our eyes on you during this time, that any distractions or things that we have going on in our lives, Lord, we just bring those to you. Your word says that you care for us. So we just lay those things in your hands. We know that you are the good shepherd who's taking care of us. So we trust you with those things. We take this moment just to focus on you, to lift you up, to bless you, to be in community with your spirit, God, and to receive from you this morning as well, because you're so good. Amen. Let's worship him together. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 
stop the Lord Almighty, no one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing it again. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power fighting our battles and every knee will bow before you. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before you. can play keep playing Kevin I'm gonna read uh, our call to worship this morning its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. You hear that, Nicole? Amen. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.
Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise And teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above a mountain based upon it mount of thy redeeming love some of you guys might know this but this word Ebenezer in Hebrew Eben means stone Ezer means help so Ebenezer is the stone of help if you need help this morning you can sing these words together with me here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. And I know by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus brought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue from danger interposed his precious blood God of glory voice of thunder split the cedars bring us thunder hold the shadows of your wings you give us grace you give us my strength, my song, 
and stone this solid ground firm through the fiercest trial and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving sleeps my comforter my all in all here in the love of Christ I stand Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless faith this gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I So this morning, um, as we prepare for a time of prayer, um, I am going to anoint Donna and Everett Laird. I'm going to ask them to come forward, and they're going to come sit on this front row. Um, and just for those of you who don't know, I'm sure a lot of you already know that Everett is has been for some time battling countless health struggles, cancer being the most recent one that he's dealing with, and he has been a trooper. 
the way that he walks into this building nearly every week unless he's like, you know, like physically, literally can't get out of bed. He's in this building and you ask him how he's doing and he's like, I'm great. I'm here. I'm great. How are you? You know, and he's not faking it, I don't think. He truly lives in the freedom of God, even despite all his health struggles. And for those of you who may not know, Donna faces struggles, health struggles of her own, but this Friday morning, she's going to have surgery in St. Louis. They're going to be going in to remove a stone, a kidney stone, a pesky little kidney stone that, praise be to God, hasn't caused just an overwhelming amount of pain or at times really no pain at all, uh, but is causing some other issues. So, of course, you're going to go in and take it out. And so as I was talking with Donna this morning and just talking with Everett, I just felt the weight of all that they're dealing with. And I asked if I could anoint them so that we, the church family, this is a, a, we're James chapter five kind of people where James says, call the elders to pray if anyone is sick and the God in heaven hears you and he will hear your prayers and he will answer you. And so we're claiming that this morning, we're proclaiming that this morning, but this is also an opportunity for people to gather around Donna and Everett so that they know that they are not alone, that we are walking with them, that they are loved, and that we are interceding on their behalf this morning. All right, so I'm going to invite anybody who's able to and who would like to to come and gather around them. And as I put this oil on Donna and Everett's heads, this is not magic oil, okay? But we are proclaiming by faith this morning. We are asking the God who still heals and the God who hears to draw near to Donna and Everett. And that's what we're doing. And so, Donna, I anoint you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God, this morning, I pray for my sister Donna. God, you see her, you know her, you love her. God, I just pray that as she prepares for this upcoming surgery, God, that you would overwhelm her with your peace. God, you see all of the things that she's worried about. You see and know every single burden that she carries, the one that she shares and the ones that she keeps to herself. God, you see her and you know her. And so, God, I just pray that in this moment, that you would make yourself known to Donna and help her to know, God, that there's not a single thing that she goes through that you don't already know about and that you see and care about every detail of her life. From the big things, from preparing for a surgery to remove a kidney stone to the little things, the, the little things that she just feels deep in her heart each day. God, you know every one of them. You created her. You are her father who sees her and who loves her. And God, I just pray that she would rest in knowing that truth this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that, that as Donna goes throughout this week, that each day she would just see you at work in her life, that, that each day she would get to see parts of your grace at work in her life, that she wouldn't miss those moments, Holy Spirit, to see where you were at work, reminding her that you are with her, that you are strengthening her, that the, the problems that she faces today are, are a blip in the light of eternity, God, that one day all things are going to be made new. One day all of her pain will be taken away. One day all of her struggles will be taken away. God, we cling to those promises this morning when life feels overwhelmingly hard. God, we just thank you for hearing our cries for our sister this morning. 
We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And so now, God, I anoint Everett in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God, we just pray for our brother Everett. God, I just admire the strength that is your strength that is evident in him every single day. Even if he's not feeling it, even if he's not experiencing it, God, his life is such a testimony to your strength and to your grace and how even when you're, when we go through the, the lowest of valleys, the darkest of valleys as Everett has seen and experienced, God, you have been with him. He can truly say that he knows what it feels like to walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death and yet fear no evil. God, you have heard him as he has said, Lord, I am yours. It is your will. I want your way for my life. And so, God, we do pray for healing. We pray that as this cancer treatment runs its course, God, and as he leaves everything up to you, God, we pray for physical healing and restoration, God. And we believe that you can do it. God, help us in our unbelief. Holy Spirit, stand in the gap between what we know and what we proclaim and what we don't know and what we are afraid of. Give us the faith to see and believe that you are still at work doing miracles right here, right now. And God, I thank you for Everett's resolve. It, it ministers to me. It speaks to me, God, that he has given his entire life into your hands that he truly doesn't fear what tomorrow may bring because he knows who holds tomorrow. God, I thank you. It's only your strength that could carry a person through. None of us, none of us has it within us to will ourselves to make it through such difficult days. It's only through your strength. So God, we praise you and we boldly approach your throne with these cries and these prayers or a touch and healing for Donna and Everett this morning. God, be with their families. Give them peace. Give them strength. And we pray all of this in the name of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. God, we just continue to lift all of those up who are facing struggles today, who are facing difficulties today. God, for those who are experiencing sickness, God, for those who are dealing with anxieties and depression, God, for those who can't put their finger on exactly what it is that they're dealing with. God, we pray for those who are struggling as they watch loved ones suffer. This morning, God, I want to lift up Larry Wonkel and his family to you as, as he walks with his mom through um, a pretty significant fall. And God, is, as she is a 96-year-old woman dealing with dementia, and now on top of that, these physical ailments, God, that's a lot. That's a lot for Larry as he carries that, as he cares for for his mom as he watches her suffer. God, we just pray that you would draw near to Larry and to his family. Lord, be with his brother, Neil. 
God, this is such a delicate situation and it's, it, it can feel overwhelming and so discouraging. But God, we know that you are the author and the finisher and that you're not done yet. And so we cling to the hope, we cling to the promise. God, we, we cling to that which we cannot see. And when that just becomes impossible, God, would you just meet Larry and his family with your strength, with more of your strength? Would you help them as they carry these incredibly heavy burdens? God, would you draw near to anoint and touch his mother's body? Help her, God, to be released and relieved of all of the pain, both physical and, and the mental and emotional pain. God, we don't try to paint this as a pretty picture, but we just invite you into it. We just invite you to help us walk through it. Draw near to Larry, God. God, we just, um, in the midst of all of the difficulties and all of the hardships, God, we praise you. We praise you for these truths that we spent proclaiming moments ago that, that we are resurrection people. We are people of the resurrection. That because Christ is resurrected, we live with abundant, full life. But God, we know that it's only through, your, through you, through your spirit. So God, would you just help us when our, when our flesh is weak, when we feel weak and weary? God, would you just help us, help us to see what it is we might be missing today? God, would you just be with all of those who are not here? Be with those who may be watching online at home in each of their homes and situations, whatever may be going on. God, would you just be present with them? Help them to know that you are with them and that they are loved and missed. And we look forward to being together with them again soon. Thank you for the gift of community. God, we just continue to invite you to breathe life into this community. Help us, God, to just receive your fresh, flowing life each and every day. Bind us to one another, God. Help us to walk arm in arm. We need you, God. We just release that. We need you. Draw near. Speak to us, God. We are listening. Holy Spirit, give us the ears to hear. Give us the eyes to see. Give us imagination. God, we love you. We pray all of this in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's good to do life together. Well, today, friends, we're starting a new sermon series. 
uh, we made it through the season of Lent. Doesn't mean that all of those things that we talk about throughout the season of Lent, those things that we really focus on and emphasize, doesn't mean they just magically disappear. Uh, but, but now we are moving through uh, the rhythms of the resurrection. And, and so we're leaning into what it means to be a resurrected people. What does it mean for the people of God that Jesus died and was brought back to life, was a resurrected king? What does that mean for us? And, and have we lost sight of what that means for us? That's some of the things that we will explore over the next several weeks leading up to the day of Pentecost. And so we're going to be in this sermon series called The Forgotten God. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it is uh, based off of a book written by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God, uh, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And I know that, that he talks about in this book um, that that sounds dramatic, like that that sounds like dramatic language, that we've forgotten or neglected the Holy Spirit. But I do think um, I see this in my own life, and I do think that it's easy in the life of the church to talk a lot about God and to focus on attributes of God the Father, and it's certainly, uh, Jesus is the center of everything that we do, right? He is the very center of our lives. He is our resurrected Lord. We just celebrated Easter, and so certainly we don't forget about the power of King Jesus, but a lot of times when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because there are so many things that we don't know, there are so many things that just feel unclear in our minds, there are so many ways in which some of us have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, we just get quiet because we just don't know, right? Sometimes we just don't know. And so um, even though that language might seem extreme, I think um, I loved his approach as I read through this whole book. I, I just loved his approach of, of bringing to our minds some of the things that we might forget about or some of the things we might not think about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And so I hope to bring what I feel uh, from, from a, a pastor's heart, what I feel are the most helpful and beneficial for all of you, for all of us, okay? And so uh, we're going to be starting this series today and Last week, Easter Sunday, big Sunday, we, we talked about some of, I asked you guys some questions at the beginning. I acknowledge that I don't know where you all are spiritually. Sometimes maybe that's a problem that we don't know where one another, where each other is spiritually. But one of the things that I asked you as I was asking you questions is, are you here today and it feels like there's something you're missing? And I think individually, all of us, Christians and non-Christians, followers of Jesus and people who are not followers of Jesus, we go through times where it just feels like something is missing. And I was really speaking more of a, of a personally or individually place last week, but this week I want to ask that question to the church, to the people of God, both individually, but certainly collectively. That I think just as individuals can feel like something is missing in their lives, I think the church feels this at times too. Not just our church, our church is not excluded, but the, the big C church. I think a lot of times we live as though something is missing and we're just seeking whatever that missing thing is. And sometimes we pursue different things, hoping that we would find that thing that is missing. We, we seek dynamic and charismatic speakers. 
And I'm sorry that this is all you have, but, but we seek those speakers that will just draw in a crowd. They'll be funny, but not too funny. They'll, they'll preach just the right amount of time, not too long, not too short. They'll be relevant. They will keep my attention. They will keep me entertained. They will draw in a crowd. We, we pursue those kinds of speakers, preachers, teachers, and when we don't find them, it just oh feels like something is missing. Or we look for those to be a part of our worship bands who are dynamic and talented and they got to bring the music level just right. They got to sing the right songs and we need to, you know, turn off all the lights and turn up the smoke and draw in the crowd, do what's appealing and, and that'll bring people and then we'll find what is missing. We, we look for events. We try to plan events that will draw in people. Maybe we just need to try these new relevant events that will draw in crowds, give people what they're searching for, build it and they will come, right? And maybe then we'll find what it is we're missing. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with these things by themselves. These things can be good things. It's not wrong to to feel attracted to some of these things, but if we pursue some of these, and these are just a few examples, if we're just pursuing different things such as these in order to find what is missing, we are always going to feel like we're running around in circles. And we're going to feel like we just can't find what it is that's missing? What is it that that can fill this void that we as the church might feel? And as we pursue these things in hopes that they will fill a void that we might feel, the problem is, is we might not be creating spirit-filled followers of Jesus. We don't create them. We we might not be encouraging spirit-filled followers of Jesus, but instead we are creating self-focused consumers. And friends, these are very different things. Is it possible? Ask the hard questions. Is it possible that we have been guilty of pursuing the wrong things at times? We can ask that question personally and collectively. Is it possible that we have been guilty of pursuing the wrong things at times? Is it possible that we just go through these phases where we just remain stagnant? We're not moving. Maybe we're not quite dead yet, but we're certainly not living life abundantly, life to the full. Is it possible that that we have been missing the significant things that God wants to do all around us right here, right now? Is it possible that you are missing the new thing that God wants to do within you right here, right now? Now, here's the thing. I am sure that if I opened it up, I'm not going to, spoiler alert, but if I opened it up for like open testimony time, I guarantee that I would have several of you who could stand up and testify to the things that God has done in your life. I just know it. I know that several of you would stand up and would talk about the things that God has done in your life. And you might even testify as to how you have seen the spirit move throughout your life. And that's great. Uh, part of the, what I love about Psalms is, is remembering the faithfulness of God, that we see that so much in all of Scripture, but particularly Psalms, we are remembering when God is faithful and we're clinging to that. But, but the question is, could you identify what God is doing in your life right here, right now? 
How is the spirit at work in your life and around you right now, today, this week? How was the spirit of God at work in your life? Could we testify to these things? And if we can't, then we need to ask the hard question of, are we missing the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and wants to do right here, right now? And is it because we are either neglecting, as Francis Chan says, or maybe even because we are misunderstanding how the Spirit is moving? If we don't properly understand how the Spirit is moving, then we are going to be at risk of missing what he's doing. Church, I don't want to sound like too much of a dreamer, but I do want to imagine this morning, is there more that God wants us to experience And can I just be honest? There has to be. Can I just say what we're probably all feeling? Like, there has to be more. The best days surely can't be behind us, right? Is there more of God that that we are not experiencing but, but could be? Is that possible? What if there's so much more that God wants to do that we might be missing out on? These are some of the things that we are going to address over the next several weeks throughout this series. So I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. Fired up. All right, just had to make sure you're awake because it's gloomy outside and it makes us feel sleepy, I think. All right, so last week was Easter, okay? We've talked about this several times now. Last week was Easter, in case you forgot. And the passage that we're going to be looking at today, I just want you to kind of get your bearings here. The passage that we're going to be looking at today in John chapter 16, all of this takes place in what is known as Jesus's farewell discourse. Okay, it's this long discourse at the end of John for several chapters. It goes on and and Jesus is talking to the disciples about many different things. And this happens right before his death. So that's where we're going to be in scripture today in chapter 16. And, And just to kind of set the scene for you. Jesus is having this moment where he is getting real with the disciples and he is going to be preparing them for what is to come. Now we know the story. We know that there is so much that they miss, but not because Jesus didn't prepare them, not because Jesus neglected to tell them. And so in this passage, Jesus is going to warn the disciples of of specific things that will happen. And I love how he mentions that he's doing this so they will know that when these things happen, you will remember my words and you will know that my words can be trusted. I love that Jesus does this because he knows how fickle our faith is, right? And so I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able, if you are able to stand as we read. This is just a way that we like to uh, show just reverence for the word of God and to be alert and to be open and, and for those of you who, who might be newer and, and maybe you wonder, at the end, when I say these are the words of God for the people of God, we will all say in unison, thanks be to God. And that is just something that we do to help us to be mindful of how the spirit of God is alive at work and we are opening ourselves up to it. Amen? And so that's, that's just kind of something that we do, but I, I feel like we should call attention to that every now and then. So hear the word of the Lord. From the, uh, from the gospel writer John, chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming 
when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you now can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, you may be seated. That was a lot to unpack. That was a lot. It's, it's passages like these that make us make our heads kind of spin a little bit as we try to understand and grasp the, the complexities of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But I love, I, I love so much about what Jesus is doing here, that Jesus is taking the time to prepare his disciples. Because listen, this is such a selfless thing for Jesus to do. I know it's important and he recognizes the importance, but Jesus himself, fully God, fully human, is preparing himself for what is to come. He is still coming to grips with, with how brutal his death is going to be. And, and I have to imagine that he's still preparing and wrestling with that, and yet he's taking the time to lovingly care for and prepare his disciples who are certainly feeling uh, increasing anxiety. And, and I love that this is faithful to who God is and who God has always been. God is, is faithful to prepare his people ahead of time, to give them plenty of advance notice. Not always, but we see this all throughout scripture that God lets his people know and sometimes they still choose to not listen or receive. But Jesus is saying to them, listen, I'm preparing you for the days of head because they're gonna be tough. He's speaking to the disciples here, okay? He's letting them know there are going to be rough moments ahead and you need to be aware of them. They're gonna throw you out of the meeting places. They're, they're going to seek to kill you, to take your life. And they're gonna do so in my name. God bless them. They think that they are, are doing God's will, but they're not. God forgive them is what we should say. That They think that they are doing God's will, but they're not. They're doing these things, Jesus says, because they never really understood the Father. 
what a shame to live with the Father and, and in the life of the Father and yet not know the Father or not understand the Father. And Jesus says, I'm telling you these things so that you will be warned, so that you will know and recognize when it happens. So all that's important, but then he gets to, we get to verse 7, and I find what Jesus says that it feels a little bit peculiar to us, and certainly it had to have felt a little bit odd to the disciples. In verse 7, I don't know if you caught it or picked up on it, but, but have you ever really thought about Jesus' words here where he says, it's for your good that I'm going away. Think about that for a moment and imagine the disciples hearing those words and, and surely thinking, are you kidding? How in the world is that for our good? What good can come from you going away, Jesus? And why so soon? You know, all the questions. But he says, it's for your good that I'm going away. And then he says, if I don't, the advocate will not come to you. And he's speaking about the Holy Spirit there, that the Greek word there that is used is paraclete. And, it, and, it, and that's the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, for the comforter, the advocate. And in the Greek word that Jesus uses saying that it's for your good, that Greek word says it's actually profitable for you. It's for your benefit, for all of your benefit that I go. And I just imagine that that would have been really difficult to hear and to accept. Imagine this, or, or think about it like this, and I'm going to hopefully not be alone here. Confession time. Please don't leave me hanging. How many of you have wondered to yourself and even spoke out loud, like, if Jesus could just appear in the flesh right now and tell me what I should do? Am I alone in that? Has anyone else? Don't leave me hanging. Okay, good. I see, I see that hand. I see you. All right, so we have all at times thought like, oh, if Jesus could just show up in the flesh and tell us what to do. <laughs> Yet we forget, hello, he did that. And they still didn't listen, they missed it. But we think that, right? Like how great would it be, Jesus, could you just somehow, I won't tell anyone or I will tell everyone if you want, just show up and tell me what it is I am to do. Let me hear you speak audibly to me. I would love, uh, just recently, I think, like, how great would it be to sit at my coffee table with Jesus and then have a conversation with him and say, so Jesus, what do you think about this? I need to hear it from your mouth. I need to hear it audibly so that I know for certain that I am doing your will. It's probably very normal, I hope, and natural for us to think things like that. And I don't want you to feel guilty or bad for thinking those things. I think it's only in our in our human flesh to desire to be physically present with Jesus. Friends, let me just reveal something about God to you. We were created to desire Jesus. And sometimes that feeling is so great and so strong that we just can't help but wish we could just be with him in the flesh. And that's okay. That's okay. I don't want to take that away from you. But have we forgotten? And if we feel that way, what do we do with passages like this where Jesus says, it is for your benefit. And I imagine that it was for all of our benefit that he goes so that the Holy Spirit would come. What are we to do with those two things? And can we imagine that our feeling is certainly what the disciples were feeling, but even more so? Friends, have we forgotten? that Jesus has said out of his own mouth with his own words, have we forgotten that Jesus says 
that we have been given the literal presence of his Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have guidance. We have the guidance that we're looking for. We have the wisdom that we're longing to hear audibly from Jesus' mouth himself. We have the discernment that we're longing for when we're wondering what it is we are to do. We have the power of the living, resurrected Lord within us. And yet, do we forget? Have we neglected that the spirit of God is alive in us? Why do we live at times as if we don't already have these things that we long for? The physical or the the literal presence of Christ. Why do we assume that the physical presence of Jesus, although it would be great, why do we assume that it would be better than the literal presence of the Holy Spirit, which we already have? We've already been promised to have the literal presence of the Holy Spirit. So what are we missing? What is it that we might be missing? Jesus comforts them. He goes on to comfort the disciples. And he says to them that the advocate, the helper, the the paraclete is coming. The spirit is going to come and he's going to help you understand all that I have been saying to you. I hope that was a little bit reassuring to them that I know I'm saying a whole lot of things that you don't understand right now, but believe me, one is coming. He's going to come and he's going to help you. He's going to advocate for you. He's going to help you understand all that I'm saying to you, and he's going to make known to you all the things I have yet to say. He's going to help you know all of these things. Jesus, I imagine that he's painting a picture here for the disciples that that with the help and the coming of the Holy Spirit, what would be seen and known soon as the church, right? The first church that we see and read about in Acts, the Spirit is going to come and help them understand that they are now on mission with God. And without the Holy Spirit, they are going to be lost and confused. I love how, and we have this quote on the screen because it's a doozy. You might want to read it over and over again to like let it sink in. It's a, a quote from Reverend Dr. Scott Daniels. He's a Nazarene pastor and I think um, president of seminary, of one of our Nazarene seminaries. He says this, the departure of Jesus is not his absence, but the magnification of his presence. For the Christian life by the Spirit involves the mutual indwelling and interpretation of both the Son and the Father and a new state of existence between the Trinitarian God and the believer who is participating already in life that is eternal. I told you it was a doozy. Let's read it again. Let me read it again to you. The departure of Jesus is not his absence. He's not disappearing forever, but instead it's the magnification of his presence for us, for the Christian. Life by the Spirit involves, it means that we now have this indwelling and understanding of both the Son and the Father and now the Spirit and their existence in us, inviting us to participate in this holy community. And we're participating in life that is not just here and now, but eternal as well. 
All right, I'm just going to give you some time to let that sink in, and then I think you'll be really excited about it. It's a lot to take in, and it, and it highlights those complexities and mysteries of the Trinity that we submit to, okay? We just submit to it. We're not going to fully understand it. We're not going to make sense of it. It's not a science to try to figure out. We just try to experience it the best we can, and it's a lot to take in. But Jesus declares that the best thing for all of us, us included, is that the Spirit is going to be this incredible gift and this incredible power that has been given to us all who believe in him. And so Jesus goes on to tell the disciples, we're nearing towards the end here, and he goes on to tell the disciples, this is important, because now he's talking about, here's what the Spirit is going to do. Uh, Among other things, certainly we see, Here are some of the things that the Spirit is going to do. Here's what you can expect in a way. He says that the Spirit is going to expose the guilt of the unbelieving world. And it makes sense that the the, the gospel writer John would emphasize this because John was big on belief and unbelief and, and what it means to believe or not believe. And so he says the Spirit is going to expose the guilt of an unbelieving world. He says that that, that the Holy Spirit is going to enable believers to announce the truth about the person and the work of Jesus. How else do you do so? How do you try to explain who Jesus is and what Jesus does without the Holy Spirit helping you to first understand? He talks about how the Spirit is going to work in and through the disciples, helping a very lost and broken world to see their need for Christ and their need for life in Christ. And I love how how in this discourse we have this promise that the Holy Spirit is going to continue the revelatory work of Jesus that the disciples and all who would come after them, we continue to learn more about Jesus. We continue to grow in our, in our relationship with Jesus. We, we grow into these mature believers all because of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I, I, I hear this for me, for us, that Jesus is telling the disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to be present in all believers so that none will be at a disadvantage, so that those who live beyond this time where I am present in the flesh, they will still experience my power, my glory, my work, and the revelation of God because of the Holy Spirit who will be revealing all of this to them. And then if that wasn't enough... (laughs) Later on in the book of Acts, right at the very beginning, chapter one, Jesus is ascending. And if that's not enough to wrap our minds around, like he's just literally ascending before their eyes. And he tells them, he promises them, he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit, that when they receive the Holy Spirit, they will receive power. They will receive power and they will be guided by the Holy Spirit and they will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to move outside of Jerusalem. What? To move outside of Judea. What? To move outside of Samaria and to go to the ends of the earth, which would have probably boggled all of their minds. You want us to go where? You want us to do what? And Jesus says that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to go before you and empower you. And then later, as we, disc- as we continue to read the rest of, of Acts and, and Paul's epistles and the other letters, 
We see and the disciples learn that they will have the power when the Holy Spirit is in them, they will have the power to reach those they would never otherwise be able to reach. They will have the power to be set free from sin and death. They will have the power to live a life of peace, not a life of condemned, uh, of condemnation and shame. They will have power to live righteously. They will have power to know how to pray and what they ought to do to live according to God's will. They will have the power to not speak in their own wisdom, but to speak with a wisdom that is only from God. They will have power to speak life to others. They will have power to live in a way that doesn't just grow gratify the flesh, but in a way that glorifies God. Through the Holy Spirit, they will have the power to live lovingly, joyfully, peacefully, patiently, kindly, gently, faithfully, and full of goodness and self-control and so much more. And friends, all of that is what's at stake when we forsake the literal presence of the Holy Spirit that exists here and now. We miss out on all of that and so much more when we forsake the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we forsake his presence, when we neglect his presence, when we just maybe don't allow ourselves to fully experience what he wants to do in our lives, then rather than living a life of freedom, we are trapped feeling guilt and shame. When we forsake the presence of the Holy Spirit, rather than living a consecrated, set-apart life, we end up walking around looking like the rest of the world and they can't tell apart who is who, who belongs to God and who doesn't because they all look, act, and talk the same and treat people the same. And sometimes the non-Jesus followers are nicer and more appealing and I might rather model after them. Just saying when we forsake the literal presence of the Holy Spirit rather than being empowered to be on mission with God, embracing whatever it is that means, we will keep searching for what is missing. And the sad end to the story is that we won't find it. Church, I ask you again, what is it that we might be missing? Even if we've had good days, great days, I'm here to remind you that those days are not meaningless. They are not without purpose, but they are also not gone. That God is still doing something new here and now. Maybe you're just not seeing it. Maybe you choose not to see it because it doesn't look like the way it used to look. Maybe you're afraid because it's new and it's different and and I don't have control over it. But what might we be missing if we neglect the Holy Spirit that is present in us here and now? What kind of power might we, the church, be forsaking when we preoccupy ourselves with anything other than what the Holy Spirit wants to do right here, right now, in and through us? Because after all, friends, church, the Spirit of God is on the move. The Spirit of God has always been on the move. The Spirit of God is moving, and the Spirit of God is going to move long after we're gone, whether we participate or not. But I don't want to miss what he's doing. I don't want to miss it. 
I don't want to just sit on the sidelines and watch other people experience it. I want to experience it and know it and taste it and feel it and see it. I want to live it. Friends, we were made to be so much more as a church, as a body of Christ than just self-focused consumers. And until we truly are spirit-filled followers of Jesus, being open to the power and the work, and sometimes the painful renewing of the Holy Spirit, something will always feel like it's missing. Let me try to explain it to you like this. Francis Chan, in the book, he, he tries to explain some of this through this illustration of caterpillars. And that really resonated with me because just recently with my kids, we got to experience like housing the caterpillars in one of those little nets, you know, for Christmas, we, in a family Christmas game, we won this, this box that comes with like a fold up caterpillar net and, and you just send in a coupon code and they send you this little container of five live caterpillars. And, and so we have some pictures to show you. I tried to like document it the best I could. It was a busy season, of course, but here's Jonah carefully inspecting all those little caterpillars. They were like the size of a, I don't know, a grain or something even smaller. They were teeny, teeny, tiny when we first got them and they come in this food. They have this food as they're, that's, they just kind of sit in that and they grow and, and, and you go through the process, you have all the instructions, and, and you just let them sit there and eat and grow, and before long, you go and you look, and they're like these massive, fuzzy, not very cute caterpillars, and then you're instructed that when they've all attached themselves to the lid of this container, and they are secured in their cocoons, after a few days, you remove that lid, and you carefully place it in the butterfly net, and you just wait, and you watch as these caterpillars emerge from their cocoons and turn into these beautiful butterflies. And I'm just going to tell you, I was real skeptical. I was like, if we get five out of five butterflies, I'm going to be blown away because it was free. You didn't pay anything for it. I mean, you paid for the thing that you purchased, but it was free. And I just was skeptical that we could successfully grow caterpillars and turn them into butterflies or, you know, create the environment for them. But they did five out of five. And I got it on slow-mo, like, I, or, or not slow-mo, that would have been painfully long. I got it on the, um, you know, the sped up version, whatever we call that. I'm totally blanking on that. But we filmed it and we got to watch the butterflies emerge because it happened during the day when we weren't home. And, and we watched all five caterpillars emerge and turn into these beautiful butterflies. And if you go back one, there's the picture of where you can hang this net in your window. It comes with like Velcro straps. You can hang it anywhere. And when we hung it in our window, it was just glorious because the sunlight would come and shine in on those butterflies and they would just open up and flutter their wings and they were living their best life or so they thought <laughs> they were living their best life and they were so beautiful to watch and I just loved it it was like oh it's the most low maintenance pets you just have to put fruit in there and make sure it doesn't dry out and then you just get to watch these beautiful butterflies and, and Jonah was like, I want to keep them. I don't want to let them go. And, and I was like, well, they won't survive. Either way, they won't survive. But, but we're certainly going to shorten their lifespan if we keep them. And so finally, I talked him into releasing the butterflies. And so we went outside on a nice sunny day, as they tell you. 
and we released them. And I think we have a picture of that too, which you may have seen where that was the best I could get because it was unpredictable as to when or if they would fly. But they all flew away. They all five flew away. And it was just this beautiful thing. And then so Francis Chan talks about this story with this, or talks about a caterpillar. And he asked the important question of what must a caterpillar think when it wakes up one day and realizes it has the ability to fly? What must go through its mind? And why would we want to hinder that ability to fly? They probably thought they were living their best life in that net because they were these beautiful creatures no longer trapped in this little cocoon. Now they were basking in the sun. They had fruit right there. As far as they knew, it was their best life. (laughs) But it wasn't what they were created for, right? They were created to be out in nature, and we can't recreate that in our home. And so by keeping these butterflies captured like that, we would have been hindering what they were created to do, and that was to fly, to be released and to fly. And so in the same way, an important question for us is why would we want to crawl when we have the ability to fly? Friends, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the power to soar, to experience life the way that it was meant to be experienced in the freedom and fullness of Christ as much as we can until his coming again. And I don't want to miss it. And the first step is to just pray. There's no five-step process of how to get the fullest of the Holy Spirit. You just pray. Pray and surrender to what it is the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and be willing to move with him. So as as we close in prayer, I'm going to invite the praise team to come and prepare for a time of response. And, And so, God, we come before you today. And we celebrate this truth that has been revealed to us long ago through this discourse that Jesus has with the disciples. And we are so grateful that we have this promise to look back on as as Jesus prepares the disciples for what is to come and what would be possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. But God, so many times I fear, and and I am just as guilty, I am the most guilty of limiting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life and how the Holy Spirit wants to move through me for lots of reasons. We'll get into those. And God, so a first step for us today I think an appropriate first step as we prepare to respond is that you would just help us to open our eyes, that you would just give us a greater imagination, that you would create in us a renewed longing for more of you and more of your work and power here and now. God, would you just give us that desire to submit, to surrender, to the freedom of life in the Holy Spirit. Make yourself known to us. We don't want to miss what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can stand with us as we're going to sing. You might remember a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Nicole preached a sermon um, talking about Ezekiel, and she was explaining to us about the word ruach in the Hebrew, which also means breath, and it also means spirit. Interestingly, in Greek, the word spirit, pneuma, also means breath. Like English is like really missing breath. 
the memo here because like there's this connection between the breath and the spirit so I didn't like plan that on purpose but it was occurred to me as she was preaching this message that as we come to sing this song it's your breath in our lungs don't let that be lost on you that the biblical concept of the Holy Spirit is intimately connected with the breath that we breathe and it's not just air but it's also life and it's vitality and strength when you breathe and that feeling that you get when you take a deep breath just take a deep breath and it feels good right it feels good and that is also that is illustrating kind of what the spirit does for us it gives life and vitality and strength so as we sing these words um, just be meditating on what we just learned and, and be thinking about the Holy Spirit and how that he's here with us in our songs and in our life and in our breath. Even when we forget about him, he's still there. Amen. So let's remember him this morning.
all the earth. This morning, I do have a few announcements to share with you. Uh, we had some business to attend to at the end of our service today, so therefore I wanted to uh, just kind of use this time to share announcements. Um, just in case you missed an opportunity to give to the World Evangelism Fund, um, and, and again, we showed you some videos about that, that the, all of that money that is given goes to funding missionaries uh, who go in the work of the Church of the Nazarene. And so uh, we always emphasize that at least twice a year during Easter and Thanksgiving. And so um, the church year for us officially ends April 30th. And so you have until then to give to World Evangelism Fund if you haven't and if you felt like you still wanted to do that. We just want to let you know um, that, that we certainly will welcome that. Uh, we still would love to get a little bit more toward our goal for that. Um, each church has their own goal that they seek to to kind of meet and to reconcile those those funds. And so um, we just wanted to let you know about that. And uh, women's breakfast is are going to be this um, Tuesday, right? I have Wednesday on my notes, but I know it's Tuesday. Um, this Tuesday at 9 a.m., we're going to be meeting at Belleville Pancake House. And so for those of you ladies who are available in the mornings, we invite you to join us for breakfast at Belleville Pancake House. You can let us know if you have any questions or if you need to know exactly where that is. Uh, we can get you that information. Um, next Sunday is kind of a big day. Uh, next Sunday, I will, and it's going to kind of keep in harmony with the direction of this sermon series, but I'm also going to be 
uh, focusing on and emphasizing kind of the work of the church um, and the state of the church over the last year. And I'll be able to share with you just from my heart as the pastor, as the as the pastor here at this church, what God has been doing in us and what I see God doing now and, and what I feel hopeful about. Uh, we try to have a time each year where we kind of have this, it's called different things, annual meeting, uh, church meeting, or state of the church, different titles, but that's going to be the emphasis next week. I feel very uh, encouraged and excited, and I just want to share that with you all. But that's also going to be joined by um, our community garden open house. And as much as you could officially kick off a community garden, even though it's going to be a slow process, uh, that's kind of what we're doing next week. Uh, we have a few pictures to show you from yesterday's work. The garden committee met. No rain, thanks be to God, so that they could fill up those garden beds that are out there. And so they are beautiful, filled up with all that soil. They are ready to go. And I learned later on in the day that a beehive was installed. <laughs> so we have that beehive so we can kind of get that work of, of that pollinating going and we're going to keep this thing alive. And so um, work has begun and we are ready. We are ready to officially open this up to our community. Uh, flyers have been handed out to our immediate neighbors here at the church and um, we've already received responses from several people that they will be coming, that they want to reserve a garden bed. And so Craig is already talking about cranking out more beds because I feel like we might get these filled up pretty quickly, hopefully. Um, and so next week is our, uh, our opportunity for all of us to celebrate what we think God is doing in and through this community garden. I'll go more into detail about that next week. But next week, we want you all to stay after the service for a fellowship, a time together. We're going to have burgers and hot dogs. You don't have to bring anything. Just come. Be willing to hang out for a little while afterwards, fellowshipping with one another and checking out the garden and hopefully meeting some neighbors that might come by afterwards for a burger or a hot dog. And we're just going to celebrate all that this community garden is and, and what we think God is going to do, uh, or at least what we're hopeful that God will do. Okay, so that's next Sunday. So uh, we hope to see you all here for that. And then stay with me. Lunch Bunch is going to be meeting Wednesday, April 26th. That is a Wednesday. Um, this time we're going to be meeting at Eckert's, and that's at noon for anyone who's available. Um, and then in May, we're going to have a, a women's gathering, a girls' night, we call it. And this is so all ladies can come. We know a lot of ladies work during the day and can't come to the breakfast. So this is open for all ladies in the church. It's going to be at Kathy's house. It's a very summery poolside picture because hopefully we'll hang out by the pool. Uh, if the weather's ideal, I joked with Nikki that maybe we should create an overlay for this picture that's like a monsoon to represent what last year's girls' night looked like. Uh, but it was still great. We still got together, and I told Nikki we had Mexican food in Kathy's house, and it was a great night for me. So, um, ladies, if you want to come and join us, there, there will be a sign-up sheet so that we just know how much food to, to prepare for that. Again, you don't have to bring anything, just come and fellowship. And then finally, um, just a little bit of business to take care of today. So if you are newer to BFCN, if you're not a member of BFCN, bear with me as we talk about some boring church business type stuff. Um, but today, could we have the lights turned on uh, just for a second? Uh, today, after the service is dismissed, we're going to have our annual church board elections. So here at BFCN, we elect a new church board every year. Um, and this year, I went ahead and prepared for any of you who might be wondering. Um, out in the foyer, there is like a, 
a note that's standing up on one of those tables, and that just helps you to understand how the Church of the Nazarene goes about selecting nominees for the church board. In case you have any questions about that, I kind of gave you all those details out there um, just so that you know that this ballot that, that is coming to church members today has been um, given to you by the nominating committee. So this is the nominating committee's ballot for this church year. And, and members of BFCN do have to approve that ballot here before we move out to vote. Um, so again, this is if you are a member of BFCN, if you've gone through the membership class, you've been received as a member, you will know if you have. And if you're 15 years or older, you are eligible to vote for the church board of the 2023-2024 church year. Um, I do want to quickly go through the ballot just in case there's names on there that you're not familiar with. Um, not everybody's in here because people wear a lot of hats around here. Um, Mike Dissett, in the foyer, poke your head in here so we can see you. Do you hear me out there? Nope, he's going to pretend like he can't hear me, but Mike, there he comes. Hey, Mike, that's Mike over there. He's on the ballot. Uh, Mike has been a church, a church board member for many years, and Mike uh, does a lot of help with the, the building and maintenance. I'm trying to combine words again. Um, he does a lot of help with building and maintenance, and so, Mike, you'll see his name on the ballot. Um, Adam Franklin is on our church board. Oh, Adam, come on. They don't even, people didn't even have a chance to see you. Hi, Adam. Okay, Adam is our uh, church board secretary currently. Adam has served on the board for several years now and, and has most recently this past year been our wonderful church board secretary, and so we're grateful to Adam. Uh, Rick Parks is um, on the ballot this year. He is currently downstairs in toddler church, preschool, toddler church. It's a hybrid right now. Um, and so he is down there working tirelessly, helping out with our toddlers. Um, you all know Rick. He's led worship. He participates in the worship team. He's been a longtime board member, uh, so he's on that ballot. Jim Smith, back in the sound booth, is on the ballot this year. You see Jim here every single week working back there tirelessly. Jim has also served on the church board in the past, and so he's on the ballot. Uh, Kathy Dothager serves as our finance lady, finance gal, our church treasurer, among many other things, and does a lot on the church board and has been a, a faithful member of our board over the past several years. Greg Parcell is probably out wandering the halls. He is our head usher. Um, he takes care of our greeting team. He's kind of in charge of them and kind of keeps them all uh, organized and does a lot around here. So Greg is out there. He is here today and he's on the ballot. Brian Skelton, a longtime board member, a Sunday school, recently retired longtime Sunday school teacher, also takes a turn in toddler and preschool church. So we are very grateful for that. Uh, Larry Wonkel is not here today. He is visiting his mom who we prayed for earlier. Uh, she's very ill. And so Larry has served on our church board for many years and is um, has recently been our Nazarene Discipleship International president. That may not mean anything to some of you, and that's okay, uh, but he does help a lot with some of the discipleship efforts that, that we try to incorporate around the church and is just has been wonderful over this past year. Uh, Stu Leach, I know... Oh, there you are, Stu. He's back there. I see you now, Stu. Hi, Stu. Stu's been our NMI president for many, many years, faithfully serves our NMI. Nazarene Missions International has been on the board for a while. And my husband, Bo, uh, is not here today. Usually he's back there uh, or would have been back there today on and sound, but um, he's at home with Nora, who is sick. And the board as NYI president, just for anybody who's like, wait a minute, your spouse, that's a little weird. Uh, but he is a non-voting church board member. And the NYI is Nazarene Youth International. 
gosh, I feel like the most boring person in the world right now. I'm just going to tell you because so many people are like, I don't understand what you're talking about. But um, Bo does help our youth and leads our youth right now until we get more help with that. And so that's why he serves in that role on our board. But again, just to be clear, he's not a, a voting church board member. So uh, that's how that we're that's how that works, okay? And then on our ballots, you're going to see two or three rather. Um, yeah, Bo, this, these are delegates to the district assembly. That's a convention held every year for the Illinois district, and they will go and vote on district matters. Okay, so very similar, but on a district level. And on that, you'll have Bo Cotton as a, as a delegate nominee, uh, Janet Reinhardt as a delegate nominee. Janet's very active on our district in all sorts of ways. And Lynn Leach is going to be on the ballot as, our, um, as another district uh, nominee. Okay? Delegate. That's what I was looking for. So if you are a member of the church, I would like to ask for um, if you would uh, make a motion to receive this ballot. Okay. Do we have a second? Okay. Any questions? If you are a member, all in favor, say aye. Opposed, same sign. All right. The ballot has been approved. And you will collect those as you leave. They will be in the, in the lobby. Words are hard. It's time to go. <laughs> in the lobby, uh, fill those out, turn it back in before you leave, and that's how we'll take care of that this year. And uh, thank you for that, sitting through all of that painful explanation. And we won't have to do that again until next year, okay? So, friends, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as I share this benediction with you. Friends, I pray that you would go and leave this place in the grace and the peace and the power of our Lord and Savior and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. May you go and be aware of all that the Holy Spirit seeks to do in your life today, now, this week, and just go in his love. You are empowered. You're dismissed. Have a great day.